Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Hey, we just want to say thank you for making this message a part of your week. Our prayer is that these messages will inspire you to make the name of Jesus famous in your life and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we'd love for you to visit our tribe fam in person. To learn more about us, you can find us online or at Facebook by searching tribejh.com. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. And this message, uh, I've, I've alluded to it a, a little bit. And we'll, we'll talk about more about where this, uh, as we get into this message. But this message was brought to you by an experience that I had with our Susan um, several months ago, and if you don't know who Susan is, she lives in Israel. Uh, she ch- tunes into the live stream, probably not live, but she tunes in part of our tribe family. And uh, she lived with us. We discipled her for, t- are we still going on? T- well, how old yeah. is Kai? 16, 16 years. Um, and so this sermon comes from an experience that I had with Susan. And so I want us to read the text, and I'll share the story with you, and then we'll begin to unpack it together. And I don't have a keynote today because there were so many different directions. I felt like the Lord could go with this verse. I didn't, I wanted to keep options open. So with that in mind, Hebrews chapter 12, let's read verses 1 through 12, and uh, somebody can read a few verses and then pass it off and we'll continue to read. And uh, this is fun for Colin and his wife. Colin, right? Colin and Audra, because you're like, oh, this is how the sausage is made. There's probably like <laughs> voices that you're like, oh, I've heard them. And now you're going to get to see some faces. To and if these, you don't so. mind, we'll pass the mic so everyone on the live stream can hear you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And there's some Bibles there. Hebrews 12. Start in verse 1. Let's go to verse 12. Whoever wants to let it rip, go for it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary or give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Verse 5. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one who who he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by his father? We've all seen them at Walmart. Verse 8, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we are respected, our heavenly fathers who discipline us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? 
Verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your hired hands and strengthen your weak tired. knees. Oh, what did I say? Hired. Oh, like hired hands. <laughs> I'll okay. read verse 12 again then. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mm. That's so good. Well, verse 13, let's just round it out. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Mm. So we're going to talk about discipline today. Our conversation is going to be about bi- discipline today here for service. And everybody said, so here's this here's the here's the story so susan was moving to uh israel she moved to israel about a month or so ago now and the people that she was going to be that are kind of like hosting her and and uh providing work for her they said you're going to be driving a vehicle that has a manual transmission so if you don't know how to drive a stick, you better learn. How many of you know how to drive a stick? Okay, wait, anybody doesn't? All right, all right, all right, okay. All right, all right, fair enough. Not yet, not yet. So uh, I, I grew up, not that I like, I'm so old, I grew up driving stick, but I, I had a, growing up, I had a few stick shift vehicles. And so Susan said, would you show me how to drive a manual transmission? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And it was during our two and a half hour driving lesson that the Lord began to whisper to my heart. And what I I was just taking through, taking Susan through just like a normal, like, here's how you drive a stick shift. And, and God began to just really whisper to my heart. And uh, I have a video, a short little video that I want to play for you of Susan uh, pulling out on South Park Loop Road uh, that I'll show just to kind of like set the environment for us. And also, if you ever do a discipleship thing with us, you will get a video shown of you. <laughs> really going from stop to first is probably the trickiest once you get a little momentum. First to second gear is a little easier. Second to third is even better. And so we did lots of practice at the high school parking lot where nobody was around. We drove around and around and around, stopping and starting, getting all the way up into third gear, and then coming to a stop and then then going again. And she stalled uh, a few times, but she did really, really, really well. So from, from the high school parking lot, I said, let's go drive around on South Park Loop Road and see how you do there. She did really well. Uh, obviously, how old Susan? 30-something. So, I mean, she's been driving for a long time, so she knows, like, how to operate a vehicle in traffic, all that. We didn't have those additional concerns. Once she did well, kind of through the neighborhood, Cottonwood, um, uh, back and around, kind of on Gregory Lane, then we said, all right, Susan, let's go downtown. And we took, we took drive after drive up and down Pearl Street. And then from Pearl Street, we went around the town square and up and down through that traffic. And she was like, ah, you know, uh, being Susan, if you know Susan. And so she had done, she had done so well 
um, uh, at the high school and then on Gregory Lane and then downtown and up and down Pearl Street. Um, uh, my reward for her was what, do you think? <laughs> Not Broadway. Not quite the past, but close. Exactly. Let's go, let's go up that tunneled Snow King Drive. And as, we get, and as we get a third of the way up, I want you to come to a full stop. And then, and then here's that emergency brake, and here's how you let the emergency brake off while you're transferring your foot from the clutch onto the gas, right? So you can get started up on a, on a hill, and uh, we, we jump-started and popped the clutch and stalled out the Jeep and, and, and did it again and again and again until she could get halfway if you've ever how many you've ever driven up that tunnel through there it just it's a steep hill very steep hill very steep hill right here in town and uh, she worked on it and worked on it and worked on it until the the one trial run where we were stopped on the hill and and guess what added what additional factor came into play exactly exactly she's like it was one thing it's one thing to like to be able to roll back while you're letting that clutch out and give it gas and go but when somebody comes up behind you and so that's exactly what happened so now a car comes up behind susan and thankfully thankfully they left plenty of room but susan was like ah and she did it she let the clutch out she squealed the tires and off goes the little jeep right up the hill and and she did great and uh that was the last i ever heard of her about driving a stick shift so i assume she's doing fine in israel during that experience the holy spirit began to whisper to me and he says this is exactly what i do with my children whom i love if you're taking notes today at the top of your notes, this morning you can put God's reward. That's the title of this morning's message, God's reward. God rewards us by disciplining us. I feel like we've kind of been on a theme of messages recently where we take a concept or a word or a verse and look at it through our contemporary mindset and eyes and view a concept one way, but then compare that to the authentic nature and character of God and learn a whole new or expanded definition of what we thought. And so, when you think of discipline, like today, uh, either at work or at home or whatever, like what comes to your mind when you hear the word discipline? What do you think of? A spanking. A spanking. Yep. 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 What else comes to your mind? Getting grounded. Oh, yeah. Spanking. Getting grounded. I think of um, 
Uh, I do think of those things, but also think of like bossing yourself around, like having self-discipline. Um, those things, those things come to mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have that. Getting up early to work out is takes discipline. Getting up early to go ski before anybody else tracks up your lines on 25 short, that takes discipline. Uh, discipline. Has anybody ever thought of discipline as a reward? Like maybe you're receiving it. Woohoo, discipline. I don't, none of us have thought that. But that's one of the ways that God demonstrates his faithfulness and love towards us is by disciplining us so there may have been times in your life uh, I'll, I'll just say there certainly have been times in your life where the discipline of the lord has tried to the god's hand of discipline has tried to rest on you and you either haven't known that it's discipline from the lord or you know that it's the Lord and you're mad at him for disciplining you. Mm -hmm. Completely missing the point of the motivation behind why and what he's up to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, I don't want to talk too much and get too far without hearing from you. Tell me what's going on in your mind. What are your thoughts as we have this conversation today? And Liz, would you turn on the air? Yes. Thank you, please. What's going through your mind? What are, what are you thinking of thus far? Not everybody all at once. Mm -hmm. I could put the joke back up. Come to me. Come to me. Do you think, is there a difference in discipline and chastisement? Ooh. Okay. Perhaps in the translation that you read, we encounter that word. Because we have people that we know that say God would never do that to his children, to discipline or chastise. Oh, my Because goodness. if he's a God of love, why would he do that? And I'll, I come back and say, well, my parents loved me, but that didn't stop them, you know? Yeah. And I'm thankful for it. Yes. So. What, a, what an interesting comment that uh, it's probably depending on how much time you've actually spent with him, not spent time with people that spend time with him and they talk about him, but time actually with him. What an easy notion to fall for that, well, he's a God of love. And is he a God of love? Yes. Is he a God of wrath? Yes. Yes. Is he a God of comfort? Remember when we talked about? Yeah. And what's that comfort look like sometimes? Cowboy up. <laughs> Sometimes I think that uh, the reward is much later than when you actually get disciplined at that time. You, you don't see the results uh, until down the road. <laughs> oh, and, and, and in our instant gratification society, we want, the, we want it to be connected instantly. Right. Mm -hmm. Our favorite coach at the gym when I say our, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> is Sebastian, and he does the best job at reminding you that every single time you push yourself for your own self, like the rewards will, you'll see the rewards later. He's like, you're not gonna see it now, you're gonna feel the pain, but later, that's when you'll see the rewards. So just like what Clay, yeah, it's worth it. Like, 
he's so good at it reminding us that the reward isn't instant. In fact, it actually feels quite painful. Mm, that's so good. Let's, uh, let's keep your finger in Hebrews chapter 12. Hang a left and let's look at John 15. John 15. And would somebody read, again, I don't have this on the screen. But would somebody read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5? Uh, John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. Correct. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. <coughs> every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that, he, that does bear fruit, he... Wait. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, mm -hmm. that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Ooh. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How does God reward fruitfulness? Snip, snip. Pruning. Pruning. Now, this is so counterintuitive to think if you think about if you own a business uh, um, or maybe 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 you are an athletic coach or trainer or something. You always want to see that trending line going up and up and up and up. You're doing great. Up and up and up and up. God's like, you're doing so great. Let me just, yeah, run. Let me, let me prune. And if we try to, especially, guys, in the days uh, ahead, if we try to encounter, interact with the God of the Bible based on our human understanding and wisdom, we gonna miss him. Just like the Pharisees missed Jesus at the first advent. They missed him. He was right here, perfectly fulfilling the prophecies about him. But the Pharisees had this, they had a wrong understanding of who he was and they missed him. This is my pastor's heart talking to you that I want that why we're talking about these difficult and challenging things to, to challenge and to disrupt the pattern of understanding and preconceived notions that you've had of him so that when you encounter him better to fall on the rock and be broken, your preconceived notions and ideas be broken than for the rock to fall on you and you be absolutely crushed. Mm -hmm. That's a Bible verse. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like uh, um, Corey and Amanda's pastor used to say, um, if you feel like you're being petted the wrong way, you gotta turn the cat around. Does that rub your fur the wrong way? Then turn the cat around. Not, not that the hand's gonna stop, because this is who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. 
And we're like, ah, then we need to change our thinking. We need to change our understanding. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, 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 I sensed a roll coming on. <clears throat> uh, because it's truth. It's unchanging. And we, we have the option to conform to that truth or not. And, and is in a similar way, this idea and understanding of discipline holds true. God, you can write this down, God uses discipline to prune those whom he loves. God uses discipline to prune those he loves. Now I'd like us to go, you can turn back to Hebrews. And here's what I'd like us to do an exercise together. And the exercise that I'd like us to do together is let's, uh, you, let's go through these verses, we are going to go verse at a time, but, but it's not like we're going to spend 10 minutes on each verse. That's a long time. But let's, let's go through these verses looking for some key words that jump out to us or a phrase or a concept that jumps out to us or that may look highlighted. And let's just pause on that for just a moment, have a brief discussion about it, and then continue on. Because this is a very, I wouldn't say difficult concept, but this is a very um, <laughs> unappealing to most Christians concept. And what we're talking about, this is not Christianity light. This is not, this is not um, spoon feeding you mashed up bananas and trying to trick you, trick you into opening your mouth and jam it in real quick and then be like, okay, we got the sermon out of the way for the week. Like, these are some things that you really need to wrestle with, digest and chew and, and have them become a part of you because let's overlay for just a second. Let's overlay. Remember we were talking about um, fire and brimstone, the judgment of God uh, recently. Has, any, has, has, has that message, and you don't need to flatter me by agreeing with me, but has that message flickered through your mind as you've been watching the footage of the tornado tragedy in those like five states around Kentucky? Have you thought about the judgment of God? Was, was that the judgment of God? Was that just atmospheric whim? Can, jo can God use those tornadoes as a demonstration of fire and brimstone, his passionate love for us? Brimstone is healing and purifying. So we need to be able to overlay these concepts that we're talking about and looking at and examining with within the context of real life. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, why don't we jump to verse 7? That gets into the good stuff. Verse 7. I'll read it. As you endure his divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father. Let's pause there and see what, what, as you scratch around, anybody have any thoughts on that? What do you see? Yes. What's highlighted to you? Well, 
when saying, have you ever seen a son that's never been disciplined by his father? Look around us now. I think our whole culture now and being retiring from a school system where I saw so many parents just want to be their children's friend mm. and want to them their kids to be popular. And of course, my mentality was that, well, the parents weren't popular, so they're going to make sure the kids were. <laughs> so, but in doing that, there's no discipline. So those kids have grown up to be very entitled and which has led to where our whole culture has gone. Hmm. Without that discipline, you can't follow the rules, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't think rules apply to them without discipline. Mm. So, yes. And rules keep us safe. Rules keep us safe. That's right. Said They're there like for a, a reason. Fantastic school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> rules keep us safe. So we can talk about this in an in a distant, removed manner. Rules keep us safe, but. You ever bumped up against one of God's rules that you just didn't like or agree with? Like, that, even if you know it's true that rules keep us safe, what is it about our human nature that just wants to, like, if rules are like guardrails, to just crong, crong up against those guardrails? You want to justify breaking the rules. Yeah, or that's for somebody else. Mm. Okay. Curiosity, cause and effect. Ugh. So when... Sometimes you need different challenges in your life. You know, sometimes kids... Oh, sorry. Sometimes kids need a different challenge in their life. And maybe they're, they got to test some waters before they, um, uh, before they go to the next thing. Mm. And I feel like a good dad, mm. knowing his son, knowing his, his, his child, is like, let's try these waters just like with Susan. What if we just drove around and around and around in the parking lot and I'm like, wow, you did it. Great. Good job. You're ready. Off you go to Tel Aviv and up to the Golan Heights. (laughs) Would I have been a good father to her in that moment by just uh -uh. giving her the easy stuff? How many of you like the easy stuff? So that's what's, this is, this is where the cat has to be turned around in our life. Because it is true. Let's just be honest, it is true. We all would rather have the easy stuff. But God is training us for terrain that lies ahead. Um, I started at verse 7, but let me just really quickly make mention of just a few key words in verse 5, and then we'll keep going. And 7, we're, we're really close to 12. In verse 5, it says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. That word correct. So you can underline that in your Bible or write down that word in your notes. That word correct is to, um, in the Greek, that word means to convict by bringing it to the light or exposing it. Don't give up when he corrects you. Hey, here's, um, uh, whenever Carlos is here, I always end up thinking soccer metaphors, but uh, imagine, imagine a person playing soccer and uh, they think that they're really awesome, but they can't shoot with their left foot at all. 
the, the ball never touches their left foot, but they think that they're really awesome. Well, as a good coach, your job to correct that player is first to get them to see it in themselves. You can tell them all day long, well, there's some development that needs to happen, but until they see it for themselves, they're just like, no, my coach is lame or he's bad or he's, he's out to get me or whatever. Then all you need to do is do one drill that emphasizes that left foot or, the, or their less dominant foot. Less dominant? I guess it's either dominant or non-dominant foot. And they'll find out really quickly for themselves. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then we have the choice. Like, am I going to turn the cat around? Or uh, now that this vulnerability or weakness has been exposed, am I going to blame the coach? And so in a similar way, in under, when you underline that word corrects, it means to expose or bring to light. Not for the purpose of shaming. That's what an enemy does. That's what an adversary does. When, when a weakness of ours is exposed, maybe it's our pride, maybe we like to gossip, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. When that is exposed and we see ourselves for who we truly are, we're vulnerable. Our tendency is to get defensive. And we've learned to be defensive because all of us grew up as children. I don't think anybody came here as an adult. We all came as children, and children are nasty to each other, right? We've all... Not that anyone here ever perpetrated it, but all of us were the victims of a kid being nasty on the playground. Like, like you know, you have boogers hanging out of your nose. Like, great, thank you. Now everybody sees it. Your fly's undone. Your shirt's inside out and backwards, you know, whatever it is. You know, so, so from an early age, that was last week for Lissy, We learn at an early age that whenever our weaknesses are exposed, it's a vulnerability, and in order to protect ourselves, we get defensive, or we fight back. Oh, yeah? Well, your eyebrow hangs weird, or whatever, whatever it is. And we, we, take the, we take that same response, and without turning the cat around, the tendency will be to apply that to God when he, whenever he corrects us, justify, excuse. Mm -hmm. Or a very popular response is to go la, 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 and turn away from the Lord. He's trying to correct. He's trying to, he's trying to expose, not for the purpose of shame, mock, or ridicule. And if you have that in your heart or mindset about God, we should do some prayer so that you can encounter the authentic Father's heart. Mm -hmm. He corrects for the purpose to expose, and in a way, in the Greek definition, it says, here's your current gap. And how about that for being able to use as, as a coach or a trainer? Hey, here's your current gap between where you actually are and either A, where the demands of the team need you to be, or that position that you play, you need to be here. Or, I see so much potential in you. Here's, here's where you could be, current gap. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I could just keep going, and, and we've got a lot of verses to cover. A lot of open water to cover here, sailor. 
Let's uh, jump. We read verse 7. Let's look at verse 8. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Anything there? And if we're like, mm, no, it's okay. Just checking. Brian, See? I yes. I got a picture of like when you go to the bowling alley with your friends and like all the bad bowlers are on one lane and then obviously I'm on the other good bowling lane. But okay, okay. they have they have the bumpers up and they just chuck it as hard as they can against the walls and it bang, 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 and then it gets a strike. And then I'm over here trying to bowl straight on the lane and I'm getting all these splits and I'm doing really bad and they're beating me. But I'm like, you're like an illegitimate bowler because you have the bumpers up. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like that applies to this verse. That's really good. God loves us so much that he allows the bumpers to come down uh, uh, appropriately. Um, remember the Bible says, no temptation has seized you, but that which is common to man and God is faithful. He'll not let you bear, he'll not let you, and I've just messed it up, beyond what you can bear, handle. Yeah. How hard is it in those moments to not be like, point that out about other people? Where they right? have like bumpers? Even while you were saying that, like my blood pressure rose, because I want to be like, um, just so everybody knows, um, he has the bumpers up, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we want to be like, yeah, but you're still on the easy track. I mean, like this, you can't really compare these two. I mean, that's mm. like when my flesh like rises up. Mm. And isn't it interesting, here we go off on a little detour that I think is super valuable using the bowling metaphor, that, that it is not our place at all to, to point out where somebody else might have bumpers up in their life um, without several conditions being met, like if it's your child, if you are discipling them, if they're, if they're gonna get into like massive harm's way, and even then, God puts bumpers up. Have you ever seen, oh, I can't think of any example, but have you ever um, encountered something in your life where God has taken the bumpers down in your life to, to show you that gap, to give you discipline, to help you encourage, but then somebody else with that exact same issue or thing, the bumpers are still up and they're like, bing, bong, bing, 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 thinking that they're being awesome, but God just hasn't convicted them of that yet. And you're like, that's no fair. Have you anybody ever? Yeah, yeah. We just gotta we just gotta take a new grip with our tired hands, and run the race set out for us. So I think as as parents, thank you. We want our children to represent us well. Mm. We're telling them the right things to do. We are guiding them down the road. Hey now. Do what we told you to do. Don't don't veer off the road and do your own thing. Mm. Yep, that's good. We represent our dad. Trust, 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 trust. That word, uh, as we are in verse seven, as you endure. That word, endure, is another great word to underline in your Bible, out in the margins or in your notes. 
you can write the Greek definition of that word endure. It basically means stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Have you ever, have you ever seen it play out where maybe a coach or a teacher or uh, a boss gives an employee some correction or a player some correction and the boss, the authority figure, does it in the very best way possible. But then whoever's on the receiving end gets all bent out of shape and like, wang, they, they leave the fight. And you're like, oh, man, like they missed that opportunity. Pride, rebellion, maybe they're super wounded or something. But um, in is this a Bible verse or is this just... Some sort of weird Bible-sounding proverb that sticks in my head. That on the day of battle, um, uh, the most spirited horse will stay in the barn, but God will take out the one that's been trained. Oh, golly. Yeah. I, uh, uh, something along those lines. Uh, that, that, that doesn't sound like it's in the Bible, but it makes sense. Like in the day of battle, are you going to take out of like a hard charging horse or one that is in partnership with a rider that can be controlled? Mm-hmm. And, and I have seen so many talented people, individuals who cannot receive correction, who cannot receive leadership or discipline from a coach or a boss. They, they, they justify the excuse. They put it back on them. Well, it's their fault. They ever, ever read, they miss the whole lesson, and then they just don't ever get to grow. Mm-hmm. And and if I'm pointing the finger, I've got three pointing back at me, at how many times that I have not received correction or discipline from the Lord because my pride flares up. Oh, I was like, wait, the horse is a proverb. <laughs> In the day of battle, the horse. Okay, never mind. I I was gonna try it again. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's go through some more of these verses. So this is how I enjoy studying the Bible, especially with, with other people is, is, and we're not going to go like super slow, but I want us to take a little bit of time as we go through this, um, to, to look at, to consider what word or what phrase or what picture comes out to you. Jay had an awesome picture. He's like, when you, when I read this, I think of the lanes, the bumpers that come up on a bowling lane. I never would have thought of that. Beautiful. Cracks open deeper insight for me. Um, does anybody see, where are we, verse 8? Um, let's see. Verse 9. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? What do you see in this? What is, what is the author of Hebrews saying in this? Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline? Why would it be important to submit even more to God's discipline? What is it, what's the difference between an earthly father and a heavenly father? The heavenly father is the father of all of us. He's the father of all of us. Infinitely wiser, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He knows the end from the beginning, everything in between. So that's the, that's the implication here. Like we submit to our earthly fathers. Why not, how much more should we submit to our Heavenly Father? The implication being, 
God is way better at parenting us than even the bestest of human parents. He's incapable of making a mistake. He's incapable of making a mistake. So when he uh, points out and, um, what did I say, shows us our current gap, he's not being capricious. He's not being uh, uh, vindictive, spiteful. He doesn't do it for the purpose of shame or mocking or putting us down. All right, let's do it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, up with that. For they disciplined, talking about the earthly fathers, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Mm. What's one of the end results? We saw it in verse 9, live forever. And another result is that we may share in his what? Holiness. Holiness. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Isn't that like what you guys just mentioned and, and talked about? Like uh, back when I was doing CrossFit, uh, you know, you'd go into the gym and on the board was the strength and then the wad workout of the day. And for the strength portion, if it was back squats, I was like, ah, uh, you know, and you're going to a you know, a three by five, so three sets of five reps, so it's pretty heavy weight. And you're underneath that squat bar thinking that your quads and your core are gonna explode. And you're like, this is, I don't think, I don't know if there's anybody that gets under the bar in that moment where they're giving it everything they have, <laughs> thinking this is so much fun. Yeah. Well, Chris is like, well, well, maybe, I mean, it is kind of, kind of fun. <clears throat> you. Yeah, type three fun, type three fun. It is, it is a lot of fun. You guys know what type one, two, and three fun is? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, so, oh, all right, that's a good number of you. Type one fun is, it's fun while it's happening in the moment, like a roller coaster. Every bit of it. We start to finish. Woohoo, that was fun. Type one fun. Type two fun is it's, it's a lot of work, but then there's some fun to it, like um, skinning up Snow King and then getting to ski down, right? So skinning up is like a lot of work, and, but then the downhill comes, you're like, woo, that's fun. Type three fun is like, I'm gonna need some time <laughs> before I think of this as fun. Like a, Any mission trip you've ever been on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or, or, or a death march of a climb on the way out when like it was supposed to be six hours and you're 12 hours into it and you're coming out with a headlamp and you're like, I am never doing this again. <laughs> and then by the time you get back to the car and get like some warm socks, warm hoodie on, you got your opera game going, you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. Lindsay just had a wedding while you're wearing heels. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it had to be back in time for a wedding. That, oh, yeah. oh. Oh, oopsies. <laughs> All right. Uh, so <clears throat> verse 11 says this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now let's take this verse really quick and let's, lay it, uh, it's, let's overlay it with Jesus. Was Jesus God's son? Did God discipline Jesus? Yes. 
Yes. So what was Jesus's mindset while it was happening? No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Do you think that there were times when Jesus didn't enjoy the discipline of the Lord? Can we think of an example? Hanging on the cross, okay. Yes, it is painful. Is this really necessary? Is this really necessary? Uh, think about, somebody brought up this example. Um, John the Bab- Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, uh, was put in prison. They grew up together as cousins. And King Herod just executed John the Baptist. And for us, I don't know how close you are with your cousins, but in those days, cousins were like siblings, right? Very, very close, very tight families. So imagine a sibling being wrongfully imprisoned and then receiving capital punishment being an innocent man. You'd need to like, you'd want to like take some time to process that, right? Well, instead, what God has Jesus do is go and minister to 5,000 people feeding them and preaching and healing them. That might have been painful for Jesus, but he knew. Uh, you can write this verse down. You don't need to turn there. Hebrews 5.8. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus suffered. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we are yet found without sin. I think some entire denominations place Jesus on such a high pedestal that that it would almost be blasphemous. They would think of it as blasphemous if I said that Jesus was tempted with the same things that we're tempted with. (gasps) But if he wasn't tempted, he wouldn't be human. He was tempted to get back at that kid on the playground. He was tempted to feel sorry for himself. He was tempted to be disobedient. He was tempted to click on that website. He was tempted in every way that we are. But, and we'll read more about this in a moment, how he overcame those temptations. But he experienced pain of that conflict. Do I submit and surrender to the Lord? Just to use a really practical example for us young adults in the room, us young adults in the room, the lure and the pull that this mountain culture has to offer, Mm -hmm. making promises that it has no capacity to deliver on. Mm -hmm. And the Lord knowing what's best for us, saying, hey, be in the world, but, but, but don't be of the world. Don't give in to their mindset. Don't give in to their values. And that, that pain, that conflict that we experience between am I going to live for Jesus, even though it's painful to me right now in this moment, or will I give in and see all of my other friends that appear to be having such a great time Living willy-nilly. Like, give in to that. Only to discover that it's like chewing on sand. There's pain in that conflict. Verse 12. We're getting there, guys. So take a new grip 
with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. When you look at that phrase in the Greek, it's as if a person's hands that hang down. That's what it means. Take a new grip. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Vision. Get a vision. Two last verses. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is good to write down. Let's, let's turn there because the address is close. Hebrews chapter 4. Would somebody read Hebrews chapter 4, verse four, uh, 14 through 16? And then I only have one more verse. Where'd that microphone Mm. Send it back there to the VIP section. What am I reading? Hebrews 4, <laughs> Hebrews 4 14 through what? Hebrews 14 through 16. 14 through, okay. <laughs> Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So remember, when you hear that word grace, what is a word that you can replace it with? Remember? Comfort comfort go ahead so I've been thinking that um, uh, I'm definitely the kind of person that's like afraid to hurt people in any kind of way so I will not tell them things and in my job something that we're working on with me is being able to give feedback mm. and something that they say at my work is feedback is a gift which was a bit of a reframe for me. Yeah, <laughs> um, reframe. And I was thinking in my Hebrews 12 verse five, it says reproved, which I looked up means rebuke. Hmm. And yesterday I was listening to a Tim Keller podcast that was talking about forgiveness. And he was um, talking about, maybe you can help me, the verse that says forgive if someone trespasses against you seven times, forgive them seven times. Mm -hmm. And talking about how in that verse, it says rebuke and forgiveness in the same sentence. And that, mm -hmm. that means that those two things are linked so that you only rebuke someone as you have already forgiven them. So like you forgive and then you rebuke to help them grow, but not to like put them down or shame. Wow. And so I feel like that's what God does with us that like, even though he might be disciplining or rebuking us, he's already forgiven us. And so keeping that in mind helps us take it a little bit easier. Wow. The rebuke of God is dripping with forgiveness and love and mercy and acceptance. Oh, beloved, to get 
tripped up and offended at just the rebuke of God. Never ever taking even half a step more to experience his forgiveness and his mercy right in the midst of that discipline. Don't raise your hand, but have either you ever temporarily turned away from God because he stepped on your toes or you've seen somebody that the Lord has tried to rebuke them and they never took half a second to experience his forgiveness and his mercy and his love right there. They didn't get past just the offense and ring, off they went. I'll let you in on a little secret. This valley is full of young adults that have had that happen. They've moved here from the south. They've grown up with a knowledge of God and then just gotten offended and fwing. I have a quick question. Yes. Um, well, I struggle with like the idea of rebuke from God because sometimes I'm like still working on finding the voice of God. So if I can't find the voice of God, what is his rebuke? And like you were saying earlier, we can't sometimes see what is rebuke because it comes in like an earthly form, I guess. And I'm wondering, like, is that the rebuke of God? If it comes in an earthly form, or will it come always as his voice? Like, how do we know, like, what is a rebuke? Because I sometimes, like, struggle with that because it's a lot of times it feels like rebuke is from myself. Mm. Um, Like, oh, why did I do that? Or, like, I should have done this or that. I don't know. it, It feels like it's from myself, and so that is my question what a great innocent question mckenna how do i distinguish the voice of the lord in his rebuke and the voice of the enemy that could be trying to bring condemnation and or my own self that's trying to undermine my own life that's a that's a whole series let me give you two quick things number one his word How do you help tune or calibrate your ear for hearing the Lord? His word. And then number three, if you are a Christian, and I'm saying this generically, not to you, but if you are a Christian, the Bible says that His Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart. And His Holy Spirit is like, it says in Isaiah, that still small voice in 1 Kings 19 that whispers and in Romans it says that that our conscience which oftentimes the Holy Spirit will use to get through to our brain our conscience will either applaud us or check us and so uh, I'm going to use a totally hypothetical hypothetical uh, example um, a person a Christian, a Christian young woman living here in this valley, bopping along um, and uh, gets, oh my gosh, it's so hard to like, any kind of generic example I would say has happened either to me or like is going to really step on somebody else's toes in here because it's just, it's, it's just common. Um, 
she's bopping along and then and some boy gets her attention and 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 he's flirting with her you're my kind of my example uh because who wouldn't want to flirt with this uh Uh, and he's flattering her, and he's luring her, and 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 uh, it feels great. It's, this is this is awesome. Woo, great! And uh, God's word, His voice says in Proverbs four twenty three, what? Guard your heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life, and it affects every single thing you do. And. She finds herself like, oh, he's a great guy. You know, maybe we go out to Dollar Pitcher and Ten Cent Wing Night. Like, nothing in the Bible against Ten Cent Wings and Dollar Pitchers. Um, but, but you can see that you're that that over a period of time, it could be a week, it could be two months, or a whole ski season. That, like, you've stopped guarding your heart. Now this guy has unauthorized access to your heart, and he's trying to because he has motives and agenda. He's trying to he's trying to work his game on on that young woman, and and she is just falling for it. In this scenario, he is not guarding his heart, nor as a man doing his part to help guard her part. He's he's a he doesn't know the Lord. He's a predator, just straight up. He's after your heart and he's after your body, and when he's done with it, he moves on to the to the next one. It is, that's the discipline of the Lord where he tells you that whole, the, the Holy Spirit, that still small voice in your heart tells you, hey, like after 11 p.m., just go plug your phone in on the counter. Oh, that's painful because you want to keep your phone with you. <laughs> but it's after 11 p.m. that he like wants to text and wants to like, wants you to come over or FaceTime or whatever it is. That, that, that's that pain in that moment of that discipline. Oh, just like, what's the big deal? It's just my phone. What if my sick Nana calls and I need to keep, you know, we rationalize, we justify or like, oh, come on. It's just a phone next to my bed. Ugh. But the Holy Spirit's like, baby girl, this is going to help you. Put that phone on the counter. Was that too juvenile of an example? Um, yeah, I think just in a broader sense, in times in the past where I have like just felt like I'm in a season of not being able to hear from the Lord or like uh, just feel like kind of out of tune. Um, a lot of times I'm reminded that even when I'm not hearing like audibly that still small voice, like we still have God's word. Um, and those are like things that he has put there for us for like access day in and day out. Mm -hmm. um, like if we're ever wondering what he requires of us or what he's trying to tell us, like it's it's there somewhere. Um, and he's like definitely faithful to speak to us through his word. So that was that was one thing. Um, Go ahead. And then yeah, the other thing I was gonna say is just like. Um, just like this, I guess it's verse 11, talks about discipline being painful in the moment, but yielding fruit later. Um, connecting that with John 15, like 
you don't prune, you don't prune a fruit tree right before it's about to, um, you know, harvest. Mm. Prune it in a different season. So often the, like you have to wait for that fruit, and there might be times when the that discipline seems painful, and you're not a, even when you're like seeking the Lord and trying to see His goodness in it. It might be like you kind of have to trust and and wait for that fruit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody ever prayed, oh, Lord, thank you so much for protecting me from, now that you have some distance and perspective, like fill in the blank. Sometimes like, uh, I don't know, the, the voices in your head can limit what you're wanting to do. So like, you know, the words that you say to yourself are really important. If you're limiting, if they're limiting words, uh, if they're more encouraging words or things where I can do this, mm. then then you'll open up to to the word. It's so good. Sometimes the devil's like, I don't even need to get after them. Look at it. She's beating herself up left and right. Mm-hmm. Which is again why we have to know what God's voices from his word because how do we know how to even encourage ourselves on what we can do yeah we have to speak over ourselves what he says about us follow-up thoughts or questions mckenna um not really that really sort of summed it up and i liked the hypothetical situation because it's helpful to people like myself. Good. So. Good, good, good. Thank you. I just got a picture of the cat, and we talked about turning the cat around, but in the process of turning around, um, as, you know, McKenna and Justin were just talking about, you know, and you were talking about what obedience looks like to the voice of the Lord in situations where we're tempted with the the pull of culture and you know what what we're called to do what's normal in the world and as that cat skin turned around it feels real awkward for that hand to be petting you sideways and <laughs> it can just feel really awkward sometimes mm-hmm. yeah and make it scratch yeah so I just had that picture and wanted to share it with y'all just as you know Obedience begins to feel weird and awkward maybe initially, but as we step into that and continue to do it, it just starts to feel a little bit more in line with what what God's doing by the time the cat gets turned around. Do you have a mic? Tell us how good obedience and surrender feels when the cat find when you turn the cat of your rebellious heart finally around. I'm not pointing at you like you rebellious cat heart, but I know that you can speak to once the cat finally gets in line with the petting. You want me to say how that feels? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad. But as you get scratched and as the cat's finally turned around, the Lord says, now I have balm for you to make it all better. Mm. It's going to be, might be messy. It might be uncomfortable, but trust me. Trust me. No feeling like the rebellious, your rebellious, wrong-turned cat heart once it gets turned the right way and God's like, there you go. There you go. That's why I had us read Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Let us come boldly into the throne of our gracious God. 
There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace or comfort to help us when we need it most. It's a good stopping point. Questions, thoughts? Again, this, this style of preaching is, is perhaps maybe not what you're used to, but my goal is to model for you and help you equipped so that you can do this on your own. Do this with your housemates. Do this within your own family at home instead of just the sage on the stage feeding you. All right, so close your eyes. Come Holy Spirit. Speak to us, speak to us. Help us. So I feel like the Lord would say uh, to you, McKenna, in the nicest dad way possible, baby girl, you know my will for you in that area. It's not a matter if that's of you, if that's of me or not. You've heard, you've heard me. You've heard me. Now the ball is in your court. We surrender. And then he reminds us of Hebrews 4, come boldly into his throne to obtain mercy, comfort, and strength in your time of need. He believes in you, and he would say to you, you got this. Whisper to our hearts, Lord. Great today. McKenna, thank you for your contribution, your question. So, so awesome. You had the courage to ask what a dozen other people were thinking here today. So I applaud your courage and your bravery. Everybody stand up. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your discipline. And all who agree, say amen. Amen. Lord, I command a blessing over our tribe fam here today. We love you too, Dad. We pray these things in Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. And everybody said one more time, amen. I love you guys so much. Have a great week. And remember, you got this.